0: Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Good morning Simple Church. Hey good to see you guys this morning. My name is Aaron DeLong. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to take just a moment to say hello to all those of you that are here for the very first time and even those of you that are joining us uh, online. We want to say thanks for being with us. Come on Simple Church let's greet our family. Tell them we're glad they're here this morning. Thanks, uh, thanks for tuning in and for being present for those of you that are here. Uh, if it is your first time here or maybe you've been here for a while and you have not taken an opportunity to do this, uh, would you please reach into the seat back in front of you? You're going to find what's called a Connect card, and that Connect card has a place for you to fill out your information, a completed Connect card uh, turned in at the Connect Center, which is this place you passed as you walked in today uh is we have a gift we would love to give you guys uh just for being here and being our guest so please feel free to do that at any time those connect cards also have a place for you to take notes on the back side if you'd like to do that or to request prayer or to say hey i want to get involved lots of things on that connect card make sure you take a look if you never have before uh, amen, everybody. All right. So today is a special day. Before I get to that, a couple things I want to share with you today is step three of the growth track. Uh, so directly after service, if you are walking through growth track, uh, growth track is happening right over here uh, in our little conference center here off the right off of the uh, auditorium, and uh, so that that happens about ten minutes after services. Over growth track is uh, for you those that are new with us. If you want to know what is Simple Church all about, how do I become a member? What does it look like? I don't even know why God has me here, and I'd like to figure all that stuff out. Growth Track is for you. It's four simple steps: first, second, third, and fourth Sunday of the month, for about an hour directly after service. Uh, we have these classes and these steps that you can take to find out what we're doing here as a church, what is our mission, how can you be a part, and why does God have you here? And we all need to know that. Amen, everybody. We all need to know that. And so, if you haven't taken Growth Track, even if you have taken Growth Track, we've made quite a bit of changes to it. You're welcome to take it again. But today is step three. Again, step one, if you want to jump in right at the beginning, uh, is the first Sunday of the month. So uh, please please make a plan to go to Growth Track. It's super important. If you're gonna be part of our church family here, we want you to know everything that we're about and have an opportunity to ask questions and be resourced. So uh, aside from that, we've got a great event coming up. It is uh, the first Saturday in April. It is Breakfast with the Bunny. And uh, we we love this event because we partner with the city and uh, we serve together with them. So uh, if you'd like to register to serve, we're flipping pancakes and making sausage and then we'll be serving them and being part of the activities. Uh, there's several different crews there that you can be part of, uh, kids eight and up are welcome to join us as far as serving goes, uh, but you can get on our app and look for that and you'll find Breakfast with the Bunny easy enough to register to come out and serve. Uh, it'll be a great time. We'll be there. Uh, there are limited spots though. There are about 15 spots. So please make sure you register if you'd like to join us for that. If you're flipping pancakes in the morning, you have to be there extra early. So if you're an early person, that's who we want on that team. Okay. Just saying. All right. Well, like I said, today is a very special day, um. You know, it's it's uh, I I I have to say that that uh, as longer you be you, you stay in ministry, you you develop relationships with people that are very special. And uh, the I'm not preaching today, so sorry if you came to hear me preach, and it's not sorry actually because you're in for a treat. Uh, because I would say one of one of my sons in the faith is going to be sharing today, and he is a very good friend. He is what makes he is the person who makes everything around here better. Uh, and if you've been in relationship with him or have been involved in any projects with him, uh, his involvement in it always makes it better. And uh, I'm super proud of him because he's taken opportunities to speak before. And if you know Derek, being up here with the lights on and in front of you all, this is not his comfort zone, but he's been on a, on a journey. He's been challenging himself, and this is one of the things that he's felt like the Lord has said, "Derek, I need you to step into this space." And he has willingly so far said yes twice. Today makes his third time. Would you please welcome Derek Smith, our creative pastor, as he shares the word of God.
1: Sorry, we do the awkward transition phase here. Good morning everybody. I am super excited to be here with you guys. This is not my comfort zone at all if any of you guys know me. Uh I like to be behind the scenes, which is why I got into doing, creating things and getting behind cameras and learning how to do graphic design and all that simply because I didn't want my dad taking photos of me, so I just insisted to take photos of him, and and it all went from there. So if I start talking really fast or pacing, someone just, like, do one of these numbers. I'll I'll call my jets. But uh, as Aaron said, yeah, this is a message that I've been working on this for a couple of months, uh, God kind of placed something in my heart and said, this is a place that I've been struggling with for a long time since I was a kid. And as I started working with it, you know, the last pandemic for me was, was tough because for pandemic for me was a time where I did the one thing I didn't want to do, and that was not be around people, which sounds weird because I'm an introvert, but when I'm around people, I, don't, I can, I can kind of disappear when I'm by myself, all I got is this. All I got is me. All I got to worry about is me, and that's what is not fun, right? So I went through a a long growing process of working on my emotional health, mental health. My wife can attest to this, to the screaming and the rants and the crying and the tears and everything else I experienced through there. And as I was working through that, God kept on saying, hey, you need to to take this pain and you need to share it with somebody else. And so I've tried doing that kind of one-on-one, but as Aaron asked me, hey, would you be willing to step up and speak again here? anytime in the next few months. I said, no. And God said, yes. And I said, no. And he said, please. and I said, fine. (laughs) Who knows that arguing with God is kind of pointless, right? So as I was working on this, I went through a lot of different name changes, but God kept on giving me a word as I was going through things because I wanted it to be about art. I wanted this to be about creativity and I wanted it to be about how I've dealt with that. And then God said, well, yes, but no, I'm going to tweak it a little bit. And he kept putting this word priceless in my head. I said, what well, priceless is about money, priceless is about it's dollars and cents, like that wasn't what I wanted to talk about, this is not a giving message, so y'all don't be worried about, it. we're not rushing to the, alt, to the uh, give box, that's not what this is about. So I wanted to first give you the definition of priceless, because I was kind of like, how does this apply? So if you can throw that up on the uh, screen, Chris, the definition of priceless simply says it's having a value beyond any price, so that's the dollar figure, Right? The second version says that it's costly because it's rarity or quality. So this is kind of what it's made out of or because it's just not a lot of it available, not necessarily the the dollar amount. And the last one is having worse in terms other than the market value. So this is value that's not dollars and cents. This isn't talking about the cash. This isn't talking about its rarity. This is just something different. So that's what I'm going to go into today is talk about being priceless, More specifically, as you see through that definition, it talks multiple times about value. I think value for me is something that I have for so long placed so much emphasis on, but in the wrong spot. I've found my value in everything except for what I think God wants us to find our value in. As an artist, value is simple, right? You create something, you bring it into the world, that's what you're worth. You're worth that one piece that you brought in. You're only as good as the last piece you brought into the world. And I can tell you that's just not simply what God has for you. Value has a lot of different meanings to a lot of different people. You know, society will tell us that value can be found in our bank accounts, value can be found in the size of our homes or what our homes look like, how much granite we installed last week, right? What our hedges look like. Value can be found in how, the number of followers on our social media account. Value can be found in the people we surround ourselves with. Now that one's tricky because that one I do actually believe a little bit. There is some truth in the people that we surround ourselves with and where we find our values there, but I'll get to that a little bit later. I think God's value is so much simpler than all those things. It's not about what the world says value is. And I think when we can't see God's value in ourselves, it keeps us away from doing all that God wants us to do. So as I'm going through this, it, of course, brought me to Matthew 10, uh, 29, 31. This is one of my favorite verses, as, again, as an artist, I have dove in this for so long. But I want to walk you through the steps of when I first found this, uh, you know, two years ago when I started walking through this, what this, how I internalized this Bible verse. So I'll start first in the NIV, and it simply says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care, and even... The very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Who here has any idea what that means? Because when I first heard that, I was like, great, birds. I don't like birds. Don't get it. I have no idea what this is actually telling me. It's talking about hairs and birds and grounds and sparrows. I don't get it. So I was like, okay. So this is literally the thought process. I what I'm going to go to the message because the message says, oh, that's like, takes it down to like Derek terms, makes it a little simpler, <laughs> something I can understand. So I went to the message and the message said, what's the price of a pet canary? Great birds again. <laughs> what's the price of a pet canary? Some loose change, right? And God cares what happens to it even more than you do. It says, he pays even greater attention to you, down to the last detail, even numbering the hairs on your head. So don't be intimidated by the bully talk. You're worth more than a million canaries. Listen, when Jesus said these words, I didn't get it. And I had to, I had to go into context. I love context. I love, I'm a fact junkie. My, what drives my wife nuts, drives most people around me nuts because someone's talking about something unrelated. I'm like, oh, by the way, I got something to add to that. And everyone's like, don't care. I'm gonna so I love getting into the context. So I went into the context and I said, what is, what is about these birds? What does this matter? And it says uh, uh, in the context that generically, Sparrows just says it's, it's just a generic term for small birds. These were used in, in commerce, in the market. You'd trade birds for food. There was a small piece of food and you could, you could trade for these. So it says in here that two of them are worth a penny, a pocket change, right? And then later on in Luke, in Luke 12, 6, it actually says that uh, he records that five sparrows were worth two pennies. So what that says is, well, if two are worth one and five is worth two, then that last one is free, right? Simply stating that it is worth so little that they were just given away. They were just added on to the end of the transaction. And yet it says in there that even if one falls on the floor, God notices Imagine with everything going on in the world, with all the craziness, even in that time that was going on with famines and and corrupt governments and everything that was going on, God still was so concerned with one worthless bird that he knew when it hit the ground. And it says we are worth many of those, millions of those. That's how much God cares about us. And I think for me, you know, I... I don't always talk about my tattoos, but, you know, I got the sparrow tattoo beginning of this because it's something that I wanted to be able to look down and say, hey, when I'm feeling that moment like I'm just not good enough, I've got no value, I don't know what I'm doing for God, I can look down at this. All my tattoos are are reminders for me. I can look down and say, hey, I'm worth more than that one sparrow that hits the ground, worth millions of them. So I wanted to tie this message in today. Into art, because again, for me, I'm an artist, and probably not in the sense that many of you think. I don't like paint paintings, and I really don't get art museums. I can find so much more beauty walking down the street and looking at the cracks in the concrete than I can walking through a museum. Who here loves museums? There's a couple back there. I love museums, but there's sometimes I'm like, this is a little highbrow. I just don't get it. Right? I see beauty in the world and everywhere, not in just that. But I wanted to tie this message into art because it's something that is, has driven me my whole life. So I wanted to talk about value in three different ways in, in, in kind of correlating that back to the art world. The first way is that I believe that value can be found in who created it. That's one of the first ways. The Bible talks a lot about you know, people rising up and doing incredible things for God, right? The most important people in the Bible, you've got, you've got Moses and, and, and Jacob and these people who've done great, amazing things. But do you know that these people, to most, to the culture's eyes, weren't valuable, they were nobodies. They weren't popular. They weren't powerful. They didn't have great seats of office. They, they, Moses was a murderer, it says in Exodus, Genesis. Jacob was a deceiver. Samson let his lust get the better of him. In Judges, Elijah, Paul, Peter. These were the original losers clubs of the Bible. If anyone wants, I'm making a T-shirt that just says that because I love that. Right? These were these. They became no. They didn't become great men. They actually were great men because God called them to be. Right? And they weren't necessarily, uh, their legacies won't necessarily live on because they did great things or bad things, right? Their legacy will live on simply because God created them and called them to something amazing. And I believe today that God has called you to something amazing as well. But I think if we struggle to find our value and to find out who we really are inside, we won't be able to achieve those things. We won't be able to take that step forward to what God's called for us. We are valuable because God created us. Now, I want to do something a little bit different today. I know you guys see these weird pillars sitting up here, and I want to talk about these for a second. You're calling this back to art. I want to turn this into a bit of a, 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 a participation moment. Excuse me, so please feel free to, to, to call out as I ask. I'm going to reveal this first piece here. This is actually a piece of art, so I'm going to show you. We're going to have a little bit of a gallery moment here. This thing doesn't get stuck. This is a splatter painting, right? Would, anyone in the room, give me some words to describe this, good or bad. I'm not looking for anyone to butter it up. I didn't paint this. So maybe I did. Who knows? <laughs> so shout, someone shout out some words. What does this speak to you? What does it say to you guys? Chaos? Chaos. Chaos. Messy? Busy. Yeah. Busy? Busy? Okay. Looks like a countertop. <laughs> all right. Okay. Very good. Great. Laura, get ready. Make this all over your work from now on. There's like a countertop. Maybe it looks childish. Does anyone here think they could do it? Aaron's all about this game. Diana, great. They could probably do this, right? It's splatter painting. It's, it's not overly difficult. There's, a, there's like four colors in here. It's pretty easy. Let's turn this into an auction. Who wants to buy this piece? Who would make me an offer right there? Chris in the back. Ten grand? Hands going down. Okay, we'll go down. I got to start high. Anyone got 1000 $1,000? $1, $100? Come on, guys. I need lunch. $10? We got five dollars over here. Great, we're getting somewhere. So, Joyce, it's a gift card. Sheets, gift card. Sheets is my Chipotle, y'all. I don't know, but like Aaron talks about Chipotle, I love me some sheets. It's like a gas station, but better. You anyone not been there? It's so good. All right, so so we got five dollars on this painting. I'm gonna go to the second one. So the second painting, very very similar. Basically the same, it's four colors, it's splatter painting. What about this one? What are some words to describe this one? Messy. Messy. Splattery. Splattery. Still not my taste. Don't say that word. Edgy. Probably still chaotic. What's that? Edgy. Edgy, okay. Edgy. Texture, okay. But do you see a major difference in them? I like that one better. You like this one better? Yeah. Okay. But there's, ultimately, there's not a big difference. Pretty similar. Would anyone give me more than $5 for this one? We got more hand in the back. Okay, we're collect after service, just so y'all know. It's a real thing. Pay the guy at the ticket booth, we'll get it squared away. <laughs> this one here, I painted in my office. Actually, in my kitchen, in my living room. It moved around a couple times. My daughter was kept stepping over it. i my, my cat was going to stomp in it and ruin it all altogether. But I, was, I think I was eating carrot sticks and drinking a bang and just kind of slapping paint on here, and I made this one. It's worth... Probably less than $5, so thank you. Chris offered me more than that. Well done. This one, on the other hand, now it's a print, of course, but this one sold at an auction. This one's called Number 19, also very original. But this is a piece by Jackson Pollock. And this piece sold, within the last 10 years, for $49.8 million. Not kidding. Here's a picture of the Christie's auction, with it up on the wall there. 60 Million dollars this piece sold for. People have too much money. Too much money. <laughs> yeah. They're pretty similar in design, color, contrast. It's all pretty much the same. There's not a big difference. I would venture to say that no one expected that to be worth what it's worth. Again, it's a print. don't steal it. Or steal it. I don't <laughs> and it's a print. And people said it was chaotic, messy. Maybe a toddler did it, not my taste. This one was edgy, but these aren't amazing words, right? This isn't, oh, a masterpiece, wonderful, God-inspired. No, it was messy and chaotic. How does this get $60 million? The funny thing about it is that no matter what words that you guys describe or use to describe this painting, it doesn't change its value. It's still worth $60 million because of who created it. Because Jackson Pollock was a famous painter. He did some other styles that were not quite as messy, but for the most part, it still was just a lot of gobbledygook. Again, not a highbrow artist, I'm sorry. (laughs) This painting is valuable simply because who painted it? Who created it? And I'm here to tell you today that you are also valuable because of who created you. And no matter what words... The world uses against you, no matter what opinions the world has of you, if you're messy, if you're chaotic, if you look like a toddler painted you in the morning, and I've seen people wake up in the morning, their makeup's all over the face, and their coffee spilled on them on the way in here. I have buy new shirts every Monday because my wife's spilling coffee on herself. Gotcha. Um, right? No matter what opinions the world has of you, you are still valuable because God created you because of who created you. People's impressions of us makes no difference on our value. Like this painting, our valuable, our value, is only found in who created it. The second way I want to talk about value today is that value can be found in what someone is willing to pay. I'm a yard sailor. I love flea markets. Who are my yard sailors out there? Who loves a deal? Lots of hands. knows my wife's hand is not raised. She doesn't get it. I wake up on Friday, and I'm like, oh, tomorrow's Saturday. I got yard sales. I'm excited to go. I brought so many things into our house that she's just looking at me like, back out. There's the door, there's the door right? My, what I find valuable is very different than hers, right? The de- definition of value can change from person to person. Right now, in my garage, there's a full-size, well, mostly full-size, Star Wars land speeder It's a kid's toy. What is a Star Wars landscape speeder because I saw it on Facebook and I just had to have it. I don't fit in it. It doesn't run, but I had to have it because I found value in it, right? And I found found it for a steal. It's like an $800 toy for kids back in the day and I found it for like 50 bucks. To me, that's value. And I got so excited, I went to my wife and said, babe, can you imagine what I got this for? And she said, it better be less than $10. I was like, that game was fun. I'm gonna go play a game now. Does anyone else have those, those games with their wife? <laughs> they immediately answer our question, like, that was fun for a short time. I'm done with it now. <laughs> value is not simply just what we feel about ourselves or our, our intrinsic value, but it's, in fact, what someone is willing to pay for something. You know, we talked about this creative, incredibly expensive painting here, and you can look at Picasso paintings that are worth millions even more than Pollock paintings, millions and millions of dollars, right? And if anyone's seen a Picasso painting, he's got a silly nose, he's got an ear over, it might not be an ear, it's just a block on the side of his head, you're not really sure what it is. It's a Picasso. But someone's willing to pay a lot of money for it. And even that's probably a bad example, because that goes back to my first point, that the guy is famous, right? So I'm going to show you another piece. This piece of art right here, Chris, throw that up here. This is called Banana on a Wall, y'all. This is a real piece of art that was done uh, just a couple of years ago, actually in the beginning of pandemic, and it became so viral that this piece, now this isn't a painting, this is a banana duct tape to a wall, 50 cents, this piece sold for $120,000, the guy that painted his name is Maurizio Catalan, y'all heard of him before, right, no hands, Maurizio Catalan, no takers. He's not a notable artist. He's not a famous artist. His pieces don't get put in museums. They don't sell for millions of dollars. This is simply valuable. A banana on a wall, y'all. I'm going to keep saying that until someone realizes how it's art. (laughs) It's valuable simply because someone was willing to pay $120,000. Its value is simply found in what someone's willing to pay for it. This actually is a funny story, completely unrelated. People got so mad about this selling for money, there's actually a protest group in uh, Florida called the uh, Platanito Protest. There were janitor workers, janitorial workers that were so mad that they felt that this was more valuable than their work. They actually started a whole protest around this piece, which is, to me is hilarious. Because it just speaks to that, right? It's not a Picasso, it's not a Pollock, it's simply valuable because someone was willing to pay a stupid price for a banana on a wall, y'all. I feel like I've got to keep on saying that. There's a lot of great examples of this. When we go through this day of handmade crafts, I see some of your Etsy stores. You guys are selling like handmade artisan soaps for like $65. What's wrong with (laughs) y'all, right? If someone's gonna pay it, I commend you because that's what it's worth. Because something is only worth what someone's willing to pay. Frankly, too many times we let society dictate our worth. People tell us we're not worth anything. We let the impressions of others tell us that we're not valuable. We're not good enough, we're worth less. Let me tell you something. The most valuable thing, if you can take away anything else from today's message, is that what you are worth is that Jesus paid for you with his life. Amen. God paid for you with his son. I'm going to let that sink in. If our value is found in what someone's willing to pay for us, it doesn't get any bigger than that, y'all. Someone was willing to give up their life for you. Who knows John 3.16 in here? Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God, and I love, when I, every time I read this, I probably should put it up here, but I take out the world world and I put it in me, or you. For God so loved you that he gave up his son. Now, I can't imagine a place anywhere in the world where I would be willing to give up my daughter. I can't think of a single moment where that would make sense to me. I love y'all, but not that much. Right? There's limits. It's simply not acceptable that I'd be willing to give up my beautiful daughter. She's over here. Hi, lady. You're pretty. <laughs> There's never a moment when I wouldn't be, that I'd be willing to give her up for anything. I wouldn't pay that. But Jesus did. You know, in Peter eighteen nineteen. It says, uh, for we know that it, is, was, it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold. That's, again, dollars and cents, right? That's what society deems is valuable. It's financial things, which most of the world's going to tell you, this is what something's worth. It's worth a lot of money. But Peter goes, it's, it goes to say on, um, uh, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from our ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Your life was paid for. Your value is found in what someone's willing to pay for you, and Jesus paid it all. The third way we can find our value is simply found in who's near it. This is going back to that original thing where I said people sometimes think you're valuable because you're, you know, famous adjacent. Maybe you're a TikTok influencer and you're super valuable because of all the people who are near you. That's right and it's wrong. I think I think that is right to a place that you can find value in Uh, and found in what you keep around you but I think the lens of the world's a little off right I don't think it's just because you surround yourself with cool people you're a cool person or you surround yourself with rich people that you're somehow going to become rich that famous adjacent belief but I do believe that people and things can be valuable based on who or what is around them the distance from an from a, a person or a thing makes a big difference You'll walk into restaurants, and there's dollar bills that have signatures on them that are hanging on a wall. And I always go, as a kid, it drove me nuts. I walked in and be like, there's money on the wall, and I want it. They're like, no, it's valuable because someone signed it. And I was like, but it's money, right? <laughs> to them, it's, they won't even put it in the bank because it's got someone's signature on it. Because someone famous, someone valuable was close to it at one point. It's worth more than the money itself. As a kid, it drove me nuts. I don't, my mom's back here. I don't know if she can remember that, but I was always looking at the money on the walls when you walked by I don't know if any of you guys know this, uh, but uh, excuse me, I need to drink. My throat is dry. Uh, a few years ago, I used to work for an antiques road show. I travel around the Midwest, not the whole country, and buy up antiques and gold and silver. I worked in jewelry, stuff like that. And we were at a big show in Detroit, I think it was. And lo and behold, this big van drives up, and they drag this thing out with a sheet, and they pull the sheet off of it, and it's a bed. And I'm like, why, why do we, we're not, we buy gold and silver and guitars and stuff. It's a bed. And sure enough, it finds out that bed be, uh, belonged to Kid Rock. Famous person, worth a lot of money. We bought that bed for $60,000. And supposedly we were going to be able to turn it around and sell it for like a 30 or 40 grand profit. I'm just like, it's a bed. It wasn't even a famous bed. It wasn't a card. It wasn't painted by a Pollock. It was just a bed. But that bed was valuable because of who was close to it. It was valuable because Kid Rock was close to it and because his name was attached to it, it was worth money. Anyone out here like Pawn Stars? No.
0: <laughs> love Pawn
1: Stars. I love that something, yeah, my father-in-law, we watched Pawn Stars all the time back in the day. Love that show. Something generally useless would come to the doors and they'd get all giddy about it because it belonged to someone famous or it was signed. But again, the item itself would be worth 10 bucks if it didn't have someone's name on it. That thing was valuable because someone was close to it. I can tell you that if we're able to stay close to God, our value goes up. The stronger relationship we have with God, the closer it makes us stronger. Distance is a funny thing. How how many of you know that if you look up at the sun, you can actually cover the entire sun with your hand? The sun is massive, but because our hand is this big and it's closer to us, it can cover a lot. I think God's a lot in the same way. The closer we keep God to us, the more problems he can cover, the more feelings of inadequacy he can cover, the more feelings of worthlessness he can cover. We, get, we just got to keep him a little bit closer than the big stuff behind him, right? But it also speaks to that distance. We got to keep him between us and those problems. You know, this may be a touchy point. Uh, um, and I think this argues a little bit in the face of some sermons that I hear. And Pastor Aaron, don't get scared. I'm not going to. It's not heresy, but I think something the church teaches wrong too many times is that the devil, and I know I'm talking about the enemy here, I know that's sketchy to some people, but listen, the devil is not a fancy, the the church ten times, or sorry, tends to teach the devil is fancy and inventive and this genius who's so good at finding new ways to hold you down. And I can tell you right now that the devil is not creative. God is creative. The devil is repetitive. He doesn't find new ways every day to, to, to hold you down. He finds the same ways every day to hold you down. He will simply attack you over and over and over and over and over and over and over over again wherever you place the most value, whatever you are closest to, whatever thing or idea or focus you are the closest to, that's where he's going to be. The devil doesn't care about your money. But if you care about your money more than God, the devil will care about your money. The enemy doesn't care about your popularity, but if you do, magically the devil's going to care about your popularity. That's where he's going to attack you. He'll dig in there, and he's not going to give up. What he cares about is your relationship with things. We said that the value is found in simply who's near it, and near something, and near you. If your relationship with something your closeness, your distance with something becomes closer than, than your relationship or closeness with God, the devil's going to see that. And he's going to attach to that. And he's going to find ways to pick at that every day. Ultimately, your relationship with Jesus should be the closest thing in your life. That distance should be the closest thing that you hold to your heart every day. Nothing should be closer. And when you start to bring in something a little bit, so the devil's going to find that that thing's going to come in and wiggle his way in and it's going to leave room for the devil too. The further and further you get away from Jesus, the easier it is for the devil to slide into your DMs and tell you you ain't good enough, right? For me, and I think really the reason why I got back to this is when I started at the beginning of the pandemic, started figuring out who I was and why I was the way I was. I started looking about it as I was a kid, you know? When I was a kid, for me, pain for me, and I didn't really talk about this a lot, but pain for me is that my father left when I was tiny, baby, hospital, So I was like, okay, I was young, didn't really matter. But he came back into my life when I was about eight, stayed for a very short period of time, and then left again. So what I learned at the time is that, hey, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not valuable. Maybe I'm replaceable. Not maybe, that's how I felt. Right? Through my life, I'd seen we moved, and so I lost friends again, and I took that the wrong way. I took it as, okay, again, I'm replaceable. People come into my life, and people leave my life, which means that the problem is me and I wore that as a badge. I think that's even maybe why I got into art. I figured if I can't be good enough as I am, maybe I need to bring something beautiful into the world so that someone can see it, and then, oh, he's, he's a good guy. Right? You're only as good as your last piece. That's what the world tells me. That's what I kind of believed. And I carried this throughout my life. I wore it like a badge. I'd bring things into the world. I'd create things just because I wanted to... It was a way to get away from the world, but it was also a way to get into the world, right? To show the world that, hey, I'm, I'm more, than, more than my bones and more than just who I am, I'm valuable. And I walk around with a fake facade and many kids that I knew, my friends, would, would learn to like me and then they'd learn that I was fake and they'd grow back out of my life. And so I learned that, hey, this is just a pattern that I'm gonna be into for my whole life. And it's followed me my whole life. You know, through high school, this is not a humble brag, but I never didn't have a girlfriend. <laughs> I like that line it's not because I was a cool person and people wanted to be around me. It's because I literally needed to be near somebody. I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be replaceable. Even now today, I struggle with it, right? My wife's on business trips. I don't want to go to bed alone. I don't want to be in a bed alone. I hate it. It's like my least favorite thing. And she's always like, seriously, you can go to sleep? I'm like, no, I'll wait down here until she's in school right now. So she'll stay up till one or two in the morning. And I'm just sitting right beside her like, really want to go to bed? You coming? She said, like, go to bed. I was like, mm. it sounds dumb, but it is true. I do, I truly struggle with it. I don't want to be alone, right? Because I find, I still struggle to find value in those people that are around me and not the right people. You know, it wasn't really until I uh, kind of got back into church in my teens that I started to realize that the distance thing, that it wasn't just the people around me that made a difference in my life. It was that God made the difference in my life. And I had to grow closer to him to kind of find myself. That's really when those chains started to kind of break off from me. The chains of abandonment feeling like I was replaceable. God started to show me that I could actually show up in people's lives for the right reasons. And not simply because maybe I put something good into the world, maybe because I created a piece of artwork, or maybe because I was able to help them, but simply because I showed up and I have value. God gave me value. So what's the point of all this? excuse me, i venture to say that we've all had a time where we didn't feel valuable. We didn't feel good enough. We didn't feel accomplished. We didn't feel like we deserved God's love. Who hasn't been there? I think we all have, but I can assure you that we need to recognize that we've already been paid for. There is no deserving of God's love. There is no earning it on a daily basis. It's not a point system. So we've got to throw in our chips and eventually God's going to be like, oh, you've got enough, you're redeemed. Boom. It doesn't work that way. First Corinthians 6:20 says, "You're already bought with a price. You're already valuable." I like to say that when you go out and you're making disciples like God calls us to do, you're simply just giving him a return on his investment. Listen people, we won't see beauty in the world until we see beauty in ourselves. We won't see the good in the world until we see the good in ourselves. For me, it's hard to even recognize, you know, those priceless pieces of beautiful artwork until we're ready to see ourselves as priceless, worthy to be hanging in God's gallery. This is what God wants for us. This is what God wants for us. He wants us to spread his love all over the nations from every corner to every corner. But we have to start inside first. We have to start letting his love be the closest thing to us, truly speak to us every day into our hearts so that nothing else can get closer. If you find yourself struggling today on how to even start here, because I know this is a tough thing, how do I find value? How do I know that I'm worthy? Yes, it's easy to say God said so. That's sometimes hard in the morning. So what does this look like? I want to give you a tool. This is a great tool to make some big change in your life, and it's called the replacement principle. Any of you ever heard of this? I know uh, Pastor Gary Fowler, a good friend of our church, and a lot of us, he he does something called flip the lie. It's very similar to that. That simply means that when you take the lies in your life, that the devil or your family or whoever else tells you, simply replace it with the truth. Sounds really easy in practice. It's actually really hard in the grand scheme of things. But listen, if your parents left you, Mom, your dad left you early, and you think you're replaceable. You feel, you know it in your heart that you're replaceable. Let me tell you, God doesn't believe that. So why should you? If your boss has told you that you're never going to be successful, you're fired, get out. You believe you're a failure, you're never going to be successful. That's what someone told you. God doesn't believe that. So why should you? Maybe your girlfriend, your boyfriend, husband or wife, hopefully not, said that you're not beautiful. God doesn't believe that. He created you. God doesn't make no junk. I hated that as a teen, but it's also really applicable now. (laughs) Right? If Your friends in school told you 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 weren't good enough. You weren't lovable. God doesn't believe that. He created you to love. Why should you believe that? Maybe there's somebody in this room that's telling you that, maybe your own mind tells you, maybe you shouldn't be alive. If you're struggling with that today, let me tell you, God doesn't believe that. So why should you? I think we aren't any of those things that the world likes to tell us that we are. I think what we are is gullible from time to time. It might be hard to hear, but the enemy knows what his weapons are. He knows he can repeatedly bombard us with the same lies, and that is our true weakness. And if we let those lies affect our lives, I said that right, sort of, as if they were true it's going to hold us down but the other problem is if we knew they were lies we wouldn't believe them in the first place right i love the story of the elephant and the rope The guy's walking through a uh, nature preserve and he walks upon this massive elephant multiple tons and it's held to this little wall with this teeny tiny little rope and the guy walks in and he's like how is this even possible and the trainer there says, oh, it's really simple. When the elephants are born, they're this big. We hook them to this little baby rope, and they live on that same for their whole life. But they're too little and not strong enough to pull away from that wall because at the time, the rope is strong enough. And eventually, they're conditioned to believe that even though they're massive, that they're not strong enough to, to get away from that rope. So they don't even try. How many of the times in our life is this us? We let the world condition us that these things that they're going to tell us about ourselves, we let them hold us back when God has turned us into this, that's probably not a good way to go. <laughs> God's turned us into the strong being that is strong enough to break any chain that the devil holds us back with. And yet we still think we're not strong enough to do it. With God, we are strong enough to break any chain that tries to hold us back. Coming to a close here, but I want to go through Matthew twenty-eight nineteen real quick. This is kind of the point of everything. And it says that, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is the most important job in all of the world. Making disciples, loving people, helping people along their journey. God assigned that job to you. Therefore, go and make disciples. He's not talking to a specific person. He's talking to every one of us, not to pastors, not to elders, not to deacons, not to whatever other high title you want to place on people. God's talking to you. If you were worthless, God wouldn't have given you the most important job on earth, plain and simple. If you had no value, he wouldn't have placed the most valuable job he had in his list on you once you realize your value, no one can take it away. Quick illustration. I know I got to close. Does anyone have like a $50 bill, $100 bill? I swear I'll give it back. Oh, see. Uh. Sure. Sure. Can I gather from you real quick? Yeah, I've never seen one of these. That's why I needed to ask you for one. That's awesome. My wife doesn't let me have these. What? Nice. So this is a $50 bill. This is super, super valuable. It's worth 50 bucks, right? Why? Because the government says it is because we believe it is. But I love this illustration. She gave it to me, so it's worth less, right? Who wants it? A lot of people. <laughs> I'm trying to give it away. Even when we feel like we've given too much of ourselves away, everyone in this room still wants this. It's still valuable. Laura, I'm sorry in advance. Listen, if I crush this, who wants this? Same hands. It's still valuable. So when you feel like the world has crushed you, when you feel like you are this big, guess what? You are still valuable. This is still worth 50 bucks. Everybody in this room still wants it. If I drop it and I stomp on it, who wants it? Same hands. It's still valuable, right? Anyone who knows me knows I have a sharpie in my hand at all times. I'm going to write my name on it. Yeah, cool. That's fine. I wrote on it. Just like people of the world, will f- you feel like they're writing on you. You feel like they are placed their images on you. You feel like they've given, they're put their expectations of them on you. Who wants this? Same people. And now it's autographed. Hey. No matter what happens to this bill, No matter what the world, or Derek, does to this bill, it's still just as valuable, right? I'm going to give this back to you later. (laughs) Your value is found in who created you, what someone will pay for you, what someone did pay for you, and who's near you. I love the expression that an iron bar, the same raw material, if broken down, it can be broken down and bended and melted into $12 worth of horseshoes. That same bar is then melted back down and distorted and brought out, turned into $3,500 worth of sewing needles, knitting needles. That same bar is melted back down again, formed and melted, and now it's brought in and refined really, really finely to make uh, watch springs. It's worth $300,000. That very same raw brick that was formed by the earth. Why does this matter? Because I feel, I feel like sometimes we don't feel like much. Sometimes we feel like God's given us... Sometimes I feel like I'm made into bedpans. <laughs> Anyone else feel that way? <laughs> no? Okay. So anytime, even if you feel like you've been made into bedpans, or maybe even the least of these things, you can know that God made you the most valuable. And even if you don't feel like you're worth $12... That can be melted down and reformed. You can let God refine you, come closer and get closer and closer and closer and work on you. And then you can be reformed into $3,000 worth of needles. And you get closer and closer and closer and he can work on you again, melted back down and turned into something even more beautiful. Thanks. So how do we close with all this? I think the first thing we have to do is we have to learn what our value is. We have to learn that this is really who God made us. We're not worthless. We're not what our friends told us. We're not what our parents may have told us. We're not what the world tells us. If we have $1 in our pockets, I have 50 Thanks again. We are still <laughs> worth what God paid for us. So first we have to learn what that is. For Simple Church, for us, that's our growth track. It's shameless plug, yep. If you go through the growth track, you can learn what your purpose is. You can learn... What, the, what your value is outside of the obvious, right? Second way is we can live. For us, it's getting on a team. We can live out our values. We can live out our purpose. We can live out all that God made us on a team. And the last way is to give. We've been talking a lot about money, but that's not what I'm talking about here. We can get in a grow group. We can get in the world We can get out of our shells. We can get out of this pit that a lot of us find ourselves in. Again, a girl group is a great place for this. And we can add our value to the people around us. Because we have it. There's not a single person in this world, in this room, who's worthless. There's not a single person in this room that doesn't have value. Because all the values that I talked about, these are all past tense. I don't know if any of you noticed that. Except for close to God. We are close to God, but we can stay close to God. God already paid for us, He already created us. God is the master builder, He's the master creator, and He has created us with so much inner value that we just don't often see. Let's pray. God, Thank you today for giving me this word, but thank you for giving me ears to listen to this. Thank you for giving this, putting this on my heart because Lord, this is, this is speaking to me more than anybody else. Lord, I pray that as we go through our days and our weeks and our months, that we can get closer to you, that we can throw everything else out, that we can find anything else in our life that we are placing on a pedestal more valuable than you in our life. We throw it out and focus on you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for everything you've created in us. We thank you for creating us. We thank you for giving your son for us. Lord, there's nothing we want more than to draw closer to you today. We pray for more opportunities for this. Listen, there's some of you in this room that everything I'm saying, you may not even know what I'm talking about because you don't even know who God is maybe you once did know God but maybe you're not as close to him as maybe you were today's the day no matter how crumbled up, stepped on, broken, separated, distant from the from everything that's happened in your life god's never been closer to you than he is right now in a moment i'm going to pray for anyone who's willing to accept Jesus into their hearts today, but I want to give someone an opportunity because I feel like there's someone in this room that maybe doesn't know Jesus or needs to reconnect. In a moment, I'm going to pray for that, but if there is someone, if you could just lift your hands, let me know on the count of three. Let me know that, that's, that you are going to pray with us today for that. One, two, three. Lift your hands If for someone in this room. Thank you. Listen, Simple Church, we're going to pray for that today because listen, no one prays alone in this house. If you've ever been to Simple Church, you've ever been in the door of this building, you know that we're not going to leave you hanging, hanging out there in the wind to, to pray alone. That's not what we do here. So for that one person who raised their hand today, let's pray. Everyone prays out loud. Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Forgive me of everything that I've done against you. Make me brand new. Show me how to live for you. Remind me of your value in me. Fill me with your spirit. And show me how to connect with others around me. Amen. Simple Church, can we celebrate real quick? The Bible says that even when that one person comes, that's what this is all about. That's what it's all about. Even if one person raised their hand and said, listen, I want to start that journey today. It's an incredible thing. And that's why we're here. If you can fill out that Connect card, that's all we want from you today. Mark on there that, hey, I said yes today. Take it to the Connect Center. We've got a gift for you. It's a bribe, but we really want to see you because we want to talk to you about taking your next steps and what that looks like, right? We have over here that your journey starts here because we truly believe that it does. So if that's you, that's an incredible thing today. Fill out those connect cards. We'd love to do it. We're not going to harass you. We're not going to sell your information. I do lead a snack attack group. You may get a snack attack. We're not weird about it, I hope, although it's been weird before. So thank you guys so much. I do want to take a quick opportunity that if uh, if anyone is prepared to give, that we give a moment for giving. The ways are going up on the screen. If it's your first time here, there's no obligation to give, but know that we do have a give box in the back. We do have uh, other ways that are on the screen. And simply because, listen, this is a brand new building which means this is a brand new community. There's lots for us to do here. And everything that you guys give today and and going on makes a huge difference in this community because that's what it's about, is changing the lives and the hearts of the people around here so that they can know Jesus just like you do. So guys, thanks so much for doing this, for doing this, for showing up today. Thanks for letting me be here. I really, really appreciate it. I wanna pray out and dismiss you guys and bless you guys. Jesus, thank you so much for today. We love you. We honor you. We we are so humbled that you give us the opportunity to wake up today and show up today, and we love you for it. Lord, I I pray as everyone goes through their weeks that they are remembering this message. They hold this on their hearts and they remember when someone tells them they're not good enough that they are simply because you started them, because you created them, Lord. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We honor you. We do all things in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Listen, hey, if you guys need prayer for anything, maybe you made that commitment today, can you come up to the front? We're going to have our pastors up here to pray with you. Otherwise, you guys have a great week.